0: I'm going to start in Genesis today. We're going to talk about the very beginning of man. We're going to read uh, Genesis chapter uh, 2, and we're going to read just a little bit about the beginning of mankind. Chapter 2, verse 7, it says, And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. Now we're going to start with that verse and really try to understand just how amazing this verse is. When God created man, he made Adam in his image. Adam was the perfect image of God. He was holy, righteous. Adam looked God right in the eye and didn't feel inferior, didn't feel less than less qualified. He was as perfect as God was perfect. He was as pure as God was pure. Man was made in the image of God. And we know the design, the plan of God was for man to live forever, to never get sick, to never die. Man was never supposed to see heaven, never supposed to see hell. Man was never supposed to die on the earth. But when Adam sinned, Adam turned from a species of light, of righteousness, to a creature of darkness. Now God made Adam as the seed for the whole human race. In fact, if we were to take every human and trace their DNA all the way back, we'd go th- all travel through Noah right to Adam. In fact, even Eve came out of Adam's rib. Eve was, came out of the DNA from of Adam. Adam was made as the seed of the whole human race. And at this moment, we read that God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. Now, he said he breathed the breath of life. I like the way that Pastor Dave put it, was God doesn't breathe oxygen. So this wasn't a mouth-to-mouth oxygen breath. But it was actually breathing life of God into his creation of Adam. Adam was formed from the ground, but God breathed his life into Adam. And he became a living soul. The seed of the human race came to life because of this breath. And I say that because from this breath is where you and I came from. This was the breath that gave the seed the power to procreate you know we have uh, seeds in our life when you're a farmer or you're a gardener you plant a seed and that seed grows so you can take an orange seed or an apple seed plant it in the ground and you can water it and you'll find out that it will produce an orange tree or an apple tree every living thing comes from a seed of another living thing and it replicates well, man was made in the same way, that God gave the power to procreate to Adam. This, was, this breath that God breathed into Adam was the life of God being breathed into the seed now able to reproduce without God being a part of it. If I plant a, a seed, say I want to grow an orange tree, or we'll say a uh, carrot, and I plant it, then I don't have to pray over it, I don't have to bless it. It will grow. God doesn't have to go and touch that seed for a carrot to grow, just like He doesn't have to create every orange. God doesn't create every orange on every tree around the world uh, every day. That The power to recreate and the power to procreate came within the life of the seed, We call that the law of Genesis. The law of Genesis basically means that within the seed, it has the power to reproduce without God touching it or making it happen. God designed it, is responsible for it, but he did not make that specific orange that you ate today. He did not hand design it or hold it or make it develop. It happened because the power of creating it was in the seed itself. Well, man is very similar, that here God gave Adam the life of God, the ability to produce other creatures, and that's what God wanted. He wanted a world, a universe full of people that he designed but didn't, didn't make happen, that they came by the will of other people. In other words, God walked with Adam, and talked with Adam but then he wanted every person born of Adam to be to be just like Adam created birthed in the image of God that he did not design or make specifically he wanted to be able to walk with every human that was from Adam and say I'm God I'm the one who created mankind but I did not create you or birth you you came from your parents So I want to walk with you and get to know you. And he wanted to build that relationship with every human ever born. And for it to go on for eternity, forever. Man was never supposed to die, never supposed to get sick. That was the plan of God. And we know how Satan came in and tempted Adam, Adam fell. And now the very seed of the human race, Adam, was dark he turned from light to dark he went from the exact the exact opposite from the image of light to the image of darkness from the image of righteousness to the image of sin so now the seed for the human race had turned to evil to darkness meaning that every person born from that seed is now born into darkness this is what you and I know about being born again that's why we need to ask Jesus in our heart to get the image of of the seed of Adam out and replace it, quicken it with the image of Christ, a new nature. We're now born again of the seed of Christ, no longer of the seed of Adam. Even though we're wearing our outward body that is left over to death, our inner man is born again. So I'm focusing here on verse seven of Genesis chapter two. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living soul. Now we're focusing on the word soul, and that word in the Hebrew is nephes, nephesh. And forgive me for mispronouncing it, but that's the best I can do. Now what I want us to see is that word soul that we see there is translated to different meanings, different understandings. The word in the Hebrew nephesh, that we get the word soul from here is translated to soul, life, person, being, mind, heart, creative, body, himself, yourself, themselves, desire, and man. All of that in the Old Testament. The Hebrew word that we get the word soul from here is translated into many different. English words, and it's one of those words that we want to discuss, soul, because the word soul can be confused for another meaning of what we would call the mind, will, and emotions, that I have a soul, a mind, uh, emotions, and a will, or desires. As you've learned transformation, you understand a little more about the soul being connected to both the inner man and the outer man. But we're not talking about that specifically as much as the difference between the word, the meaning soul, meaning you, and the meaning soul, meaning emotions or mind or desires. So it's one of those words where you have to look closer. Every time you see the word soul or the word nephesh in Hebrew, you want to look closer to the surrounding verses To know in context, which is he talking about? So the word soul, we're going to focus on that means, can mean, mind, emotions, intellect, desires. Or it can mean you, the person, you. This is why God is so in love with you before you were even born again. Because you came from this breath. He didn't create your body. He didn't create your family. He didn't choose when you were born. You came from the the law of Genesis. However, He still is responsible for you. He still cares about you because you came from Him ultimately. The power that God gave from this breath is amazing. My wife and I, Christy and I, we have created two little creatures, Harrison and Ava, who never existed before. They didn't exist before us. They didn't exist in heaven. They came into life. We brought them into existence. We actually created two creatures, two people who are going to live for eternity. Me and my wife did that. You came from the will of man, a man and a woman. You came from that willing uh, decision. You came from that. You didn't exist before. You didn't exist in heaven. God did not design you or create you. You came from the creation of your two parents. God wants to know you. He wants to walk with you. His plan is still the same. His desire is still the same, to walk with us. That's why he's not just wiping out the human race. He's given us a new earth and a new heaven to spend eternity with him where He'll get to know us and walk with us, and we'll be just like Him, in righteousness and holiness, completely uh, transformed inward and outward, completely light. None of Adam left in us. But we came from this breath, this breath where He gave Adam the power to be a living soul. God breathed life into him, making him a living soul, made him the living seed of you and me. And then in being born again, our inner man, was born again with a new nature and the inner body was brought to life by that new nature. We are now of the seed of Christ while we're wearing the outward man, the outward man of from Adam still. But one day that will be changed and quickened in a moment. So the word soul that we take soul from, it's one of those words where I use like the word house. You have to be a little more descriptive for you to understand in scripture which house we're talking about if you were a delivery man and i said hey i'm going to give you an extra thousand dollars if you can be here in 20 minutes at my house you would say okay i'm on my way where where what's your house well i live in a house okay um can you be more specific Well, i live in this town great can you be more specific well i can give you the neighborhood nice but there's still you know 150 houses in that neighborhood well How about this street? Okay, we're getting better. We're down to 20 houses. What color of house? What is a two-story house? Is it a one-story house? Does it have a garage? Can you give me more specifics? How about an address? So the more specifics that you look at, you can find out what house I am talking about. Well, it's like the word soul. You have to know the description around it before you understand if he's talking about You as a person versus the mind and emotions and desires of what we would call the soul. The soul has to be defined so you know what he's talking about. Many people get confused when you hear the word soul. They automatically, in our Christianese, usually automatically think when you say the word soul, mind, will, and emotions. But that's not what it means for half of the scripture. Half the scripture The word soul is talking about you. You are what he's trying to save. It's an amazing miracle, uh, salvation. It's an amazing, amazing miracle. It's, I think, the miracle of miracles. I think it took more design, more thought for God to design our salvation as it did to create the whole universe. For God to take you out of one species of darkness, a family of Adam, family of darkness, put his hand around you, the soul, you, and rebuild everything around you without eliminating you. You were in one species, a species of darkness. How, what is the, how far is darkness from light? That's how far man is from God, the human race. And he put his hand around you. That's the you that came from God's breath that we just read in Genesis chapter 2. That breath gave Adam the ability to reproduce creatures of the human race that were supposed to be creatures of light, but because of Adam's sin became creatures were born into darkness, separated from God, already dead, already separated from God. In salvation, he's able to take you or your soul or you, not your mind, and emotions, and put his hand around you and then give you a new nature, give you a new inner man, and eventually give you a new outward man. So and then a new earth, <laughs> a new universe, a new heaven, and place you there. And then you're standing on the new earth with the new universe, a new body, a new inner man, a new nature, and somehow God was able to protect you and transform you in the end to being a completely different species of light, from darkness to light. It's a really incredible miracle. We cannot comprehend it. One way I described it in the past is he didn't just find you in the worm family and say, Alan, I'm going to make you part of my family. And he took Alan the worm. And then squished him. Made him stop existing. And then found an egg of an eagle. And wrote on the egg. I'm going to call you Alan. He didn't just transform, transfer my name. He actually somehow surrounded me with his love. Protected me from elimination. And rebuilt everything around me. And that's why we are. Battling and suffering and groaning against this natural man because that has not been complete yet until the trumpet sounds When the trumpet sounds I'll receive a new outward man And it will click on to my inner man and be as righteous and holy I'll be one species of God a children of God in perfect righteousness and holiness Transformation is me now walking that path towards them so When you see the word soul, sometimes it means, or even more specific in the Hebrew, the word uh, nephesh. When you see that word, sometimes it means you, a person, the part of you that you, that part of what we would call you. When I say, who are you? You know, you are this soul that came from God. That he wants to see for eternity as his child. To bring you out of a family of darkness into the family of light. I'm going to look at a few verses to help us understand this. We're going to go to Proverbs chapter 11. And just follow through me on these, on these verses. There's quite a few today. And we'll read here Proverbs 11 verse 30. Proverbs 11 verse 30. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life and he who wins souls is wise. So when we see the, the word soul here, the typical Christianese understanding is mind, will, and emotion. But here it says he who wins souls is wise. So we have to do a little detective work to decide what soul is he mean here? Does he mean a person or does he mean their mind desires and emotions? Does he mean a person or does he mean their mind desires and emotions? So we have to do some detective work. Are we trying to win over people's intellect and emotions or are we trying to win, win them into salvation? See, God's trying to save you and mortify your outward soul. He's trying to save your soul while he's trying to mortify your soul, purify your soul at the same time. We're in the Old Testament looking at the Hebrew word. Uh, Another word is life, and another word is translated into his person, mind, heart, yourself, themself, a man, desire. I think my main focus today is trying to get us to, to see that sometimes when we read the word soul, it's you. It doesn't just mean mind, will, and emotions. And because we default so much to that, that understanding, I have a mind, I have emotions, I have desires, I have these things. I want you to see sometimes in scripture, it doesn't mean that. Sometimes in scripture, that word means you. The word soul can mean you, the person, the essence of who you are. What an amazing, again, miracle, transformation is, that he's able to save you out of one species, the family of Adam, and rebuild everything around you, till in the end you are completely a different species. It's a miracle that the world has no idea about, The closest we have in transformation, metamorphosis, is a butterfly. But that's not even fair because a butterfly, a caterpillar is designed to become a butterfly. It does go through a metamorphosis. But this kind of transformation is from one species to another. That's why you battle the outward man, the outward emotions, the outward intellect. Because it's from a different species than who you've been born again as. The inner man is born again as a species of light, while you're still wearing a mind and emotions of the species of darkness. Okay, we're going to see here in the Old Testament, using that same word, we are looked at the word you, nephesh, meaning you as a person. Let's look at Proverbs 16. Proverbs 16. And verse twenty-six it says here, the person who labors, and that word person is the same word nephesh. So you might say the soul who labors labors for himself, for his hungry mouth drives him on. So that's the word soul. A plane was flying over an island, and it saw the word S O S. And that generally means all the world, save our souls, S-O-S. And so they they called in the Coast Guard, and the Coast Guard came in with the ship. They landed on the island trying to find the people to save them. And the ships landed on the island, and this man ran out, was all excited. He was been there a long time, had a long beard. And he said, oh, glory, you made it, praise God. And the coast guards all came off the ship, and and the man said, I'm so glad you're here. Which one of you is the counselor? And the coast guard said, what do you mean? Well, I'm looking for a counselor. They said, no, no, we're here to save your souls, save you. You left a message, SOS. Yeah, uh, we came to save you from the island and take you home to civilization. And the man with the beer said, no, no. No, we love it here. This is the, the most beautiful place in the world. I don't need civilization. I don't want to leave here. Why did you put SOS? And the man with the beard said, where's, where's the counselor? Why do you keep asking for a counselor? We're here to take you off the island to save your soul. He said, no, I didn't even need, want you to save my soul. I want to stay here. I need to save our souls, our emotions. My wife is here. She's driving me crazy I need a counselor, a marriage counselor, to come sit down with us to save our souls, our emotions. This is where much of the confusion happens sometimes in Scripture in the Christian world because we confuse that you do have a mind and emotions, a soul, a natural soul connected to both realms, and the spiritual part of you, soul. But you yourself are described in Scripture, the person, the person, as a soul, as the soul, as the essence of your existence. It's hard to put a word on it and, and to really help us understand it. And that's because religion has done a great job of hiding the importance of God rescuing you, how much God loves you. You, you are the soul that God's trying to save, to get into his family, to get into heaven and the new earth eventually. That is his goal to save you, your soul, not your mind, will, emotions. Can a, Would God rather have a happy person go to hell, whose natural mind, will, emotions are excited, or a, a sad person go to heaven? He's out to rescue your soul, not to fix your souls, if I put it that way. So this word soul we're seeing from the word nephish in the Hebrew can mean you as a person now also it can mean your emotions i'm going to give you in the old testament another verse let's look in proverbs 13. this is one of those messages you just need to learn to educate yourself so you know better how to interpret scripture proverbs 13 verse 4. The soul of a lazy man desires and has nothing. But the soul of a diligent shall be made rich. So here we see the word soul. And I want us to see that this word also comes from the word nephesh. And here he's talking about emotions. Proverbs 19. Proverbs 19, verse 3. The foolish ness of a man twists his way, and the heart frets against the Lord. the foolishness of a man twists his way or loves his way, uh, loves his soul, and the heart frets against the Lord. that word there means the same word nephesh, and is saying that the foolish man loves his soul, the foolish man loves his nephesh. And again, loves to feed and satisfy the natural mind and emotions. We'll do one more here in Proverbs. Proverbs 21 and 10. So my goal here is to show you the two different meanings from the same word. Many times it's described the word soul in the Old Testament and the New Testament can mean your mind will and emotions, but also it can mean you. It's important you do your your diligence to find in context which one is he talking about. I mean Proverbs twenty-one and verse ten. The soul, the nephish of a wicked desires evil, and his neighbor finds no favor in his eyes. So here is the Emotions, the, the soul, mind, will, and emotions is, is what he's describing here, not the person. So this is the emotional makeup of a person versus the person himself. You can have a messed up mind, will, and emotions while you are saved. And and it's important to know that, that you can be struggling And still be saved. Many Christians have the idea that they have to be perfect in their their outward man for them to be saved. Not so much anymore. But there's a lot of people who, man, I've heard it preached. You can be a faithful member of the church. Serve God. Give your money your whole life. And then leave church. Have a bad thought. And not repent of that thought before you die of a car wreck on the way home from church. And you're going to end up in hell. And some of that is because they've misunderstood the difference between soul, you, and soul, mind, will, and emotions. Let's move to the New Testament, over to the Greek. I'm I'm acting like I know stuff, talking about the Hebrew and the Greek, but I don't know that much. We're going to go to 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And we're going to read verse 45. And it's written, the first man Adam became a living soul. The last man became a life-giving spirit. So here, the living soul, the living being, is referring to the verse we read in, in Genesis chapter 2. That Adam became a living soul, a living, and the word it uses here is psych, P-S-Y-C-H. It is translated here as a living soul. That Adam was a living soul. But it's important now in the Greek, now we're in the New Testament, looking at the word soul, that it uses mostly the word psych as its root word in the Greek. is translated to mean different things. It can mean your mind, will, and emotions, but it also means you. The word psych is brought into our language to mean soul, life, mind, and heart. And I want to give us a few scriptures in the New Testament to look at this word. Oh, let's see here. We'll go to uh, Luke chapter 6, verse 9. Luke chapter 6, verse 9. Again, I really appreciate you letting me teach all this on this transformation series. I've decided in all of it just to take my time, and teach it slow to build the knowledge and truth and imagery in us so we could be educated and know who we are in Christ. So thank you for allowing me to take my time to do this. In Luke 6, verse 9, Jesus says, Then Jesus said to them, I will ask you one thing. Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy so the word "their life, is translated from the same word, psych. The same word, we get the word soul. And this is just to prove to you that you have to look at all the meaning around a word. You can't just accept what it says because you might may go to the wrong meaning of the word soul. James 5 verse 20. James five verse twenty. Let him know that he who turns a sinner from the air of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. So let's look at that word soul. Does that mean he's trying to save your mind, will and emotions, or is he trying to save that person, the essence of that person? Soul. First Peter three twenty 1 Peter 3.20 Who formerly were disobedient when once the divine long-suffering waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared in which a few, that is, eight souls, were saved through water. So now he says eight souls. So that doesn't mean eight will, and emotions. That means eight persons, eight people, This word "soul" is what I'm trying. This meaning of soul is what I'm trying to describe to you. Comes from that breath of God. That is who you are. You are you. The word "you," the person you, can mean soul, not mind, will, and emotions. The essence of who you are. This is who God's trying to rescue uh, in in this world. He's trying to rescue you to come into heaven. He's trying, we're to purify our souls, our mind and emotions into living out of our inner man instead of our outer man. At the same time, the goal is to save us, to help us to go from one, one species, the children of man, into another species, the children of God. Let's go over to Matthew 26. Now we're going to just take a few verses And there's enough in here for you to do your own homework and look it up. And just go to your Greek and look up the word for soul and then follow it throughout the scripture and decide which one does it mean. Matthew 26, verse 38. Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful. This is Jesus. My soul is exceedingly sorrowful sorrowful even to death stay here and watch with me so when he said my soul he's meaning my emotions mind my intellect mind my emotions are sorrowful that's an emotion and that's from the same word in the greek psyche that we get the the other meaning for the word soul so you have to discover be a detective whenever you see the word soul Or the word psych in in the Greek. You have to look at the context around it to see what on earth is he talking about. Because if you get them mixed up, that's where a lot of the wrong doctrine comes from. Oh, we'll look at one more. Luke uh, 10, 27. Matthew, Mark, Luke. 27. So he answered, Luke 10, 27, and he answered and said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and all your strength and all your mind as your neighbor, as yourself. So here we know that doesn't mean you as the person because he says you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. That's your emotional creature, the emotional person, person that you are to have love that's not talking about the person. That's talking about the emotions and the mind. And finally, I'm going to give you out of uh, First Peter. We'll go back here. First Peter chapter 1. We'll start in verse 6. In this you greatly rejoice, knowing now for a little while, if I need be, that you have been greed by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being made much more precious than gold, that uh, perishes, through it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen you love, though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy in, inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So here in 1 Peter, he's talking about all that you're going through. The end result, the goal is the salvation of your souls. That's the same word, psych, the same Greek word that we've read. But obviously here, when we can interpret this the right way, it means the salvation of you. God's goal is to bring you into his family through salvation and eventually into uh, eternal life with him forever. The salvation of your souls. When we see the word soul or the Greek word psych in the New Testament, it does not automatically always mean mind, will, and emotions. God's not trying to save your mind, will, and emotions. He's trying to save you. The word soul can mean you. You are what he's after. He didn't create you. Your parents created you. But he loves you because you came from that first breath where he breathed Adam and made him a living soul. That's where you came from, ultimately, from the breath of God. And now, as, a, as someone who's born again, you're saved. Your soul is saved. You are saved. Your mind, will, and emotions are not. Your mind, will, and emotions must be mortified and purified. Uh, we'll read that here. Uh, let's go in chapter 1, still, of 1 Peter. Chapter 1 of 1 Peter, verse 21. Who through him believed in God, who raised him from the dead, and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Since you have purified your souls, in obeying the truth, through the spirit and sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. So here the the word is purify your souls. One of the concepts that some Christians deal with is they feel unworthy, that I'm born again, and now I must purify myself to get myself good enough to be saved. I start where I I find God, I'm a broken mess, and now I have to purify myself so that I am saved. The reason why I'm trying so hard to emphasize these words in, in Transformation Is it helped you to see what really is going on? You asked Jesus in your heart. We now know through transformation that that meant that you received a new nature of righteousness. And the old nature of sin was quickened into a nature of righteousness. Also, your inner man was created in righteousness and holiness. But it was immature, it was blank. So you had you had the opportunity to grow in the love of God, to mature in the love of God, if you invest in it the right way. So now you have an inner man that's alive, and an outward man, this outward body, that is left dead. So you're not trying to purify your soul, mind, will, and emotions, to make it worthy to be saved. That's inaccurate when you understand the word soul. He saved my soul, me, so then now I can purify my mind, will, and emotions to make it live out of the inner man. I don't have to be perfect in everything I do to be saved. My soul, me, am, am already saved because I'm righteousness of Christ of the new nature in me. So I am in the process. While I'm in the process of purifying my thoughts and and mortifying my natural emotions and natural intellect, while I'm in the process of purifying my mind, will and emotions, I'm still saved because I have His righteousness in me. Let me just again say, it's wrong to think that you have to purify your your thoughts and emotions to be accepted for heaven, accepted for eternity. That is the process that we live, that is transformation. But what makes you qualified for heaven is not that you have a perfect outward emotions and intellect and that you're sinless. What makes you qualified for heaven for salvation is that you, your soul, you have a new nature. That new nature is brought to life your inner man, you now are saved because of the righteousness of that new nature. So you can still struggle in purify, in purifying yourself and still make it to heaven. I used to be so afraid that God was going to come when I had a bad day, because I heard so many people tell me, man, you better repent before you die. If you if you have one bad thought and you don't repent and cover it with the blood then you're not going to make it to heaven. It didn't matter if you lived 20 years of of being really good, you had that one bad thought, and you died in a car wreck right after it. And if you're going to have a bad thought, it might be right when you die in a car wreck, you know what I mean? And you won't have time to repent, so it's too late. You're going to hell, because your soul has not been purified enough to be saved. And it's the opposite. You are born again a new creature, a new creation. You're just wearing an outward man. That needs to be mortified. And that is a process. And that does take time. Because God does expect you to get to it and get on to it. Too many Christians have given up trying to serve God. Because they were they tried to be perfect in their emotions and their thoughts and their outward man. They tried to be perfect and they just struggled and struggled until they just said, You know what? This is not for me. My salvation didn't work. It must be for other people. I just I can't be perfect enough. I can't be perfect all the time, perfect enough. I want to encourage you. The salvation of your soul is different than the purifying of your soul. The salvation of you is different than the purifying of your natural mind, emotions, and desires. That's why we pray in tongues. That's why you can struggle and still be as righteous as the righteousness of Christ while you're struggling because you're struggling with your natural mind, will, and emotions, but you have a nature of righteousness in you. We do know and do believe that it is possible for a Christian to play with sin so much that they give up their salvation, they give up their new nature and receive back their old nature, and that's what disqualifies them from salvation. So it's not so much once saved, always saved, don't worry about it. You don't get unsaved because you had a bad day. You don't lose your salvation of your soul because you had a bad day with your soul. (laughs) You are born again. God's out after you. God's not trying to empty heaven. He's trying to fill heaven. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be perfect in your natural emotions and mind to be saved. You just have to have his nature. That's the work that we go after is trying to mortify the emotions and thoughts that come from our natural man, trying to purify and live out of our inner man instead of our outward man. I pray that I'm making sense to you. I pray that you follow me through this transformation series. If this is your first message, then please go back and watch the transformation series, because I've had to lay all that down, just to be able to talk like this, so hopefully you can understand just how important you are to God, how much he loves you, believes in you, and how much he's not going to give up on you. You understand, hopefully, why he can not give up on you when you're struggling in purifying your soul, mind, will emotion, because your soul, you, is saved. The word soul, that's the word our word topic today. Thanks for spending time with me. I hope I've helped. God bless you.